Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Curland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. Dominique and I both love training. When the two of us get together, it's a non-stop conversation. And that's what we want to share in these podcasts. We want to share our love of horses and our fascination for training. So Dominique, in the last podcast, we ended with a bit of a teaser in that I said I, I wanted to talk about some of the work that I was sharing at the Art and Science of Animal Training conference that I yes. attended. Yes, and that's the conference that Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz puts on in conjunction with the University of North Texas. It was a great conference, I have to say. This was our, our 10th anniversary of the Art and Science Conference, which is pretty neat that we've made it through full 10 years. And the keynote speaker this year was Julie Vargas, who is B.F. Skinner's daughter. Just the most delightful, wonderful individual. Such an honor and pleasure to meet her. What was fun in her presentation was she talked a lot about the history of his discoveries and some of the the happy accidents that occurred where he was able to, because basically, just as Newton did not invent gravity, but he identified it for all of us. Oh, this is what's keeping us on the planet. Skinner did not invent the principles of learning theory, but he identified them for us. So when we talk about behavior is determined by its consequences, we are tracing that back to the work that P.F. Skinner started in the behavioral labs beginning in Harvard and then moving forward from that. So we stand on the shoulder of a very great giant when we are training through the principles and concepts that are embedded in clicker training. So in the Saturday morning, Jesus gave a talk on movement cycles. And then branching off from the movement cycles, there were a series of talks that were related to that. And one of the talks that I gave this time was related to the use of movement cycles. And a movement cycle is what it sounds like, basically. So a movement cycle isn't complete until you're in position to repeat the behavior again. So for example, if I were to sit in a chair, that's not a complete movement cycle. I would have to stand up again so that I was in position to sit in the chair to have a complete movement cycle. So we talked about loopy training in a previous podcast. So how is this different? Well, movement cycles are sit at the core of loopy training. So when you have behavior leads to click, leads to reinforcement, what you're, what you're beginning with is that tight kernel. What you're looking for is that yes answer that you can find where you can get a consistent response and then you build from there. And often the movement cycle that you're looking at is very small. One of the clinics that I did last fall, one of the participants was using a horse that was in residence at the farm. So this was not a horse that she knew. When she brought him into the arena and we were all getting to know this horse, it was clear that there were some physical issues going on with him, that 
every time he stopped, he stopped out of balance. He was standing what I call higgledy-piggledy. So every foot going in a different direction. And he looked tight. He was hanging through his top line. So he looked like everything was suspended down below, as it were, instead of that lovely look when you have a horse who is picking up through his core and there's a lift through the base of his neck and his muscles are toned and he just looks beautiful and magnificent and this horse looked like an old tired cart horse that kind of cliche and and stereotype and if someone had said to me oh would you like to go for a ride here's a horse I would have found every reason I could think of not to inflict riding on this horse that physically it just this was not a horse that should be carrying weight but he was the horse that she was going to use through the clinic he'd had a little bit of clicker training not a lot but a little bit and she wanted to work on some of the rope handling skills what i thought would be a useful exercise for both of them was to work on the basics of mat work and to use the runway lesson and in the runway lesson just describe it really quickly. You have a mat and you have two lines of cones, so they form a V. And the they are channeling the horse and handler towards the mat. So the cones are there as a reference for the handler so that he has to go leave the mat and then walk all the way back out and around to the top of that V and then approach the mat from the top of the V. And the point of the runway is that when you're far away from the mat, you work on the skills that you're going to need to ask a horse who might be a little concerned about stepping on a mat. You're going to work on those skills that you would need when you're well away from the mat. So again, it's constructional training. You're going to build the skills before you need the skills. And the skills that you're building are asking for the horse to take one step back, one step forward, and you're clicking and reinforcing as he gives appropriate responses. Well, this horse was completely stuck in his body, just really stuck and shut down. And so the first day, what she could ask for was basically just a tiny little shift in his balance, just a little tiny bit of movement, not a step, just, oh, a little shift in balance, a little acknowledgement that she was asking for something, but not an actual step. So she'd slide up the lead rope using really beautiful rope handling skills. She had good rope handling skills and she would wait. So she would wait on the point of contact. I think it was podcast five and six. We talked about the rope handling and how the rope handling works and what shaping on a point of contact means. So she was very good at waiting and he would shift ever so slightly and she clicked and reinforced him and and then we just built on that tiny movement cycle. And through the first day, we started to see shifts. We started to see changes. There was one point where she brought him up to the mat and he stopped on the mat, but he was standing again all higgledy-piggledy. And then he took a step back away from the mat And before she could ask for him to step forward again, he settled his balance and he was standing square in front. He was standing 
over his base of support. And basically what we were doing through this lesson, through this going to a point of contact and asking for these tiny little shifts, just putting in these small requests and letting his nervous system do whatever they were go it was going to do with them. Not imposing on him, but just asking a question. Could you shift your balance? What would you need to release to shift your balance? Ah, you just found a little piece of it. Click and treat. So essentially he was having a Feldenkrais lesson, the awareness through movement lessons of the Feldenkrais work, but translated into what it would be like for a horse. So that was the first day. He, we saw really dramatic changes from the beginning of the session to the end. Second day he came out. We did a similar lesson and again saw huge changes in him. And on the third day, we again worked the same lesson. And by the time we got to the end of the session, we had a completely different horse. The before and after photos were startling. And I think what we might do for this podcast is put up the before and after in the show notes so that people can see what I'm talking about. It was just startling how you had in the befores, you had basically the old cart horse. And in the after, you had a horse who's standing in balance, who's looking elegant, who's looking strong. There's a sense of power about him. There's a presence. It's just absolutely stunning. The change. So what, what brought this, do you think? Exactly what I was just describing. So it was these tiny little movements. And so there are two things. We were working with tiny little movements. And always we were releasing him into movement, not waiting until after the movement had happened. So when he started to shift, she would release the lead. So it, she didn't hang on past the moment. So she was learning to work on a release, not on a take. And she was working with these tiny, tiny little movements. But the point of this is that this is a handler. Yes, she had very lovely rope handling skills, but she's still very new to all of this work. And we were using a very simple, a foundation lesson. We weren't using, we weren't teaching him piaf and massage to make these changes. We were using the runway lesson. We were using a, a foundation lesson with the simplicity of the foundation lesson. And she was transforming, not she was transforming, this horse was transforming his balance. It was beautiful to watch and mm. everybody could see it. You talked in one of the podcasts uh, not too long ago about how important this work was for you because you've been around top trainers for the last 15 odd years and you can see them able to get just extraordinary things. But with the clicker training, it's empowering. You've been able to get some really extraordinary things from your horses. I love watching you with Woody. I love the relationship you have, the repertoire of behaviors that you have, that you've taught him is, is not simple at all. You're getting some really fun and really quite sophisticated things from him. 
but you wouldn't say that you I mean you haven't had one of those backgrounds where you've had uh, no not at all no I've been sitting in an office most of my life certainly I haven't spent the last 30 years in an arena on the on the contrary so yeah I think the applicability of this is amazing and the the results you can get and this is another example of working on little things that you will be able to build on the key was that we were focused on balance. That was the conversation. Everything in the conversation was centered around balance. So she paid attention to where she delivered the food. Something as simple mm. as that. And yeah. and that's accessible to everybody. So from that first click and treat on, if you're mindful about where you present the food, are mm. you feeding so that you are supporting what you want to train or are you just feeding all higgledy-piggledy? Because whatever you're doing, you'll get more of it. So if you're, if you're feeding so that the horse is receiving the food, receiving his treat so that he's in good balance, mm-hmm. that supports the development of good balance. If you're not paying any attention and you're feeding him so he's, his nose is pulled out to the side to get the treat and he's crooked, then that's what you'll get more of. So the focus changes everything it changes something from what is essentially a very basic lesson into really a very advanced lesson it's still the same lesson Mm. but what changes it is simply the attention to details so when people say oh i want i want i want to see the advanced training they say you're seeing it it's in the attention to details yep we're here again, the details. <laughs> yes, 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 always. But that's that's exciting news because we can all access the details. When you are holding a target out and the horse orients to it and you click and you reach into your pocket, you have the choice. You can feed him so his neck is twisting around to the side because you're not extending your hand uh, and taking a step so that you're presenting the food where he's in the best balance. Or you can feed him so that he's he's where the perfect horse would be. And that's the mantra. You want to feed where the perfect horse would be. And of course that changes that changes all the time. Sometimes the perfect horse will be standing still. Sometimes he'll be stretching his neck forward and down so that he can pick himself up. That's the movement cycle again. So if I want him to return to that good balance, I might feed him so he stretches his neck out. And then he can lift up from the base of his neck to show me that he understands the behavior that he's getting reinforced for. So that might be my movement cycle. Or maybe I'm going to click him and feed him so he's in that beautiful, looks like a dressage horse balance. To further support, that's where I'd love for your head to be. And I'm going to feed you in that same position. It's all so in the... one of the things you tell us when, when we're in your clinics, which I liked was, because this concept of balance, when someone wants to know, well, what does it look like exactly? What does a well-balanced horse look like? And one of the things you suggest to us is that we looked at videos on internet and that we look at what pleases our eyes. Yes. 
And I think, you know, the more you look at different videos and the more you look at horses performing, the more you will educate yourself. And of course, it's, there's a lot of very stressed out horses that are doing yes. amazing things on the internet. So you, you have to be aware of this too. To train one's eye to look at images that we find pleasing, yes. where the horses seem relaxed. I think it's a good thing for horse people to do. It's, it's find a look that pleases your eye. And it's, it's curious that you brought this up because people should know we do not script these conversations. They just roll along. But I, this is something that has that's been, I've been thinking about. I, I run a, a, a Facebook page. The, it's the Click That Teaches. It's a, it's a group closed group but basically if people ask if they to join the the group I generally say yes because I want to share this work so we have we have people from all different backgrounds and some of them are looking at the work because they are excited by it and some of them are looking at the work because oh my goodness they feed treats and they're very like critical of it or you know whatever and one of the regulars on the list posted a video of some work that she was doing and it involves something that we were talking about recently in one of the podcasts about teaching horses to have good manners around grass, that when you are working over grass, that the grass is not a distraction and you're not being dragged to the grass, that when you're ready, you will offer the, the horse an opportunity to graze, and that when you ask, the horse will come away from the grass politely, and you can work without the grass being a distraction. So she was working with this horse who had a history of dragging his people to grass. So this horse was really good. He'd obviously had a lot of practice dragging his people. And he knew how to curl his neck, his head into his neck and just pull. Mm -hmm. So the, the handler was she, was, she was doing so many good things. She was not working out on a carpet of grass. She was working in a sand arena and there was just grass along the edges so not a lot of grass to be a distraction and she was using just beautiful rope handling she's she had beautiful skill and lovely light soft and she was doing what we want handlers to do she was building the skills before she needed to use the skills so she was teaching him how to soften and give and as he softened to the line she would click and treat. So she's broadening out his repertoire. She's giving him alternatives to just curling his head into his chest and ramming off. That's what he came into the training session knowing how to do. And in order to deal with that, you have to give him some alternatives. You have to show him other things that will work, that will get him things that he wants. What does he want? He wants the grass. He wants treats. He wants food. So if we can show him other ways that gets to the treats, well, that's just golden. So he doesn't have to curl his head into his chest and drag off. He can soften to the line, click and treat. He can take a step forward, click and treat. She was doing a beautiful job with this. It was a nice video clip. So she posted it on my Facebook group and people commented and one of the comments was from somebody who is actually a fairly novice trainer but 
who posts a lot and often very critically because she doesn't really, she's very new to this work. I think she thinks she knows more than she actually does, which doesn't sound very kind. But the point of this is we want to find a look that pleases our eye. If you look at something and I, people send me video clips all the time and I'll, I'll take a quick look and often that will be something, unless I'm being asked to coach where somebody's asking for help, if they're just saying, oh, take a look at this, I'll look at it. And if within a couple of seconds, I'm looking at it saying, this is not handling that pleases my eye, I don't watch it. So I don't want to put a lot of images in that are not things that I want to draw from. So if somebody posts a video and it doesn't please my eye, my response is I just won't watch it. And I think within the clicker training community, we need to be very careful about this because we need to be sharing videos. We need to see what we're doing. We need to see the creativity. We need to get ideas from one another. We need to support one another. And if somebody is brave enough to post a video, there's several things that we need to remember. One, that horse is somebody's beloved companion. And so when you're posting comments, we want to remember that that horse is an individual. He is someone's beloved companion, and we need to be kind and supportive, not critical. If I posted a video of one of my horses and I read nasty comments, that would be very, very painful and make me not want to do it again because these are my family. And we need to remember that when people are brave enough to post, whether they're posting a video of their dog, video of their horse or their parrot or some other, their goat, some other animal. These animals are individuals. And we need to support the people who are brave enough to say, look what I'm doing. What do you think? And even if you think, well, it's not really how I would do it, either don't say anything or put a like in and say, wow, you know, good for you for being brave enough to post. Because what we want to be in this clicker training community, when we are dealing with our animals, we want to work with them in a way that enhances the relationship, which means that our focus is on positive reinforcement, not punishment. And the same thing needs to apply when we are working with people. So when you are making comments, is this a comment that is going to be received in a way that feels kind, that feels supportive, or that feels punitive? That we don't want to be one way with our animals and then oh so very punishing towards people. And this is something that I know is occurring on the internet because I I hear, I get in private conversations at clinics and through emails where I'll have people who voice concern over, I put things up and people who are within the clicker training community were not as supportive as you would want somebody 
who's using positive reinforcement to be. So it's really just a reminder to all of us that underlying all of this work is be kind, be kind. With the horses, it is very much find a look that pleases your eye. And that may change over time. That's something that right now you, you look at and you think that's really beautiful. A year from now, you may be thinking, what was I thinking? You know, as you, as you gain more experience, or you may be looking at something that right now, maybe it's a, a horse that's being ridden. And right now you're not, you don't have the background to understand what you're looking at. I remember years ago, I was reading one of the texts from the, the classical dressage. And the first time I read it, it just put me to sleep. And I didn't understand a word of it. And I thought, oh, this is just this is just the most boring thing on the planet. And then I returned to it several years later. And I think I underlined practically every word in the book. Mm. I was like, wow, this is really neat. I'm understanding it. So, you know, when we're looking for those images, when we're looking for the ideas, when we're looking for ways of being around our horses, it may change. It's the, again, the Maya Angelou. When I was young, I did the best I could. And when I knew better, I did better. Mm-hmm. And I never, I never get mad at my stepping stones. There are things mm-hmm. that I learned in the past that I don't use anymore. But I'm glad I stepped on those stepping stones, as it were, because, because, because I explored that, it led me to the next piece, which led me to the next piece, which led me to what I'm working on now. So I never get mad at where I was. I would only get mad at where I was if I were still stuck there. Well, certainly, I mean, to be aware of the balance is the first stepping stone to start observing, looking at it during all the process, including food delivery. When we talk about balance, how do you define balance? Balance is, for me, that which supports the health of the spine. So it's not, I'm looking for, say, the balance that you might want if you were training a um, oh, a Western Pleasure horse versus uh, a Grand Prix dressage horse versus a reigning horse. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about, for me, when I talk about balance, I'm talking about that which helps to contribute to long-term comfort, soundness, and that ability to comfortably move and do whatever tasks are being asked of you. And that change, you know, my understanding of balance is constantly evolving. It's not something that you just, okay, now I I understand it all. (laughs) Right. It's constantly evolving. So it's constantly find those looks that please your eye. And to me, what I'm looking for is a softness, a roundness, a lift, so that the, the horse is lifting up through his body as he takes a step, not falling down through his, and, and putting extra stress on his joints. So I just, I just needed to put that in, in terms of, you know, when we're talking about balance, because there are all kinds of ways to define balance. Mm-hmm. So maybe just to uh, finish up, because when you started uh, talking about the conference, you said that uh, B.F. Skinner's daughter talked about some of the happy incidents that brought 
Skinner to describe behavior and learning theory. And it, I find it very interesting that science is, there are so many of these happy incidents or accidents that have led humanity to great discoveries. Can you tell us some of the some well, of those incidents? I, I, for, I, for... I think we should leave that as another tease. I think that would be a great way to start another podcast. We'll leave that little cliffhanger there for today. And in our next one, we'll come back and I'll share some of the stories that Julie Vargas shared with us at the conference. All right. So All stay right. Tuned. Yes, that's right. Okay. Goodbye. Alex, I'm looking forward to hearing more about Julie Vargas's presentation at the Art and Science Conference. I also want to hear more about your presentation at the conference, as well as the one on Movement Cycle from Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz, which you gave us a very brief overview of at the beginning of today's podcast. And speaking of Dr. Rosales Ruiz, we said that we would invite a very special guest at our June webinar. And guess who that is going to be? That's right. I've invited Jesus to be our special guest at the June 30th webinar. For those who don't know him, Dr. Rosales Ruiz is an associate professor at the University of North Texas in the Department of Behavioral Analysis. And he serves as the chair of that department. I met Jesus through the Clicker Expo. And over the years, we've become good friends So for me, it's perfect that he's our first guest for these webinars. In his expo bio, Jesus lists his areas of interest as antecedent control of behavior, generalization, behavioral cusps, fluency-based teaching, treatment of autism, teaching of academic behavior, animal training, and rule and contingency-shaped behavior. All of these topics are up for grabs in terms of things that we can talk about at the webinar. And I know some of you may be thinking right now, I have no idea what any of that means. That's great. There's your first webinar question. What I know about Jesus is that what we're doing with clicker training has fascinated him. For the past 15 years, as he's been on the faculty of the Clicker Expo, he's been looking at our animal training through the lens of behavioral analysis. And what that's given us in return, those of us who are in the applied field, is a much deeper, clearer, and more effective understanding of clicker training. I know my training is certainly become much better as a result of the long conversations that I've had the privilege to have with Jesus. And now through this webinar, you'll be able to join us in one of those long conversations. This is going to be such an exciting event. So if you want to be a part of it, head over to the Equiosity website and reserve your spot. Once you're registered, feel free to send us your questions in advance, or if you prefer to ask them live, you will be able to do that during the webinar. 
We hope you can join us for this rare opportunity to have a conversation with one of the great minds of the behavior analysis community. See you next week.